Well, good morning. So uh, we are kicking off this year with a, a little mini-series before we get back into our Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And uh, really, it, it came about a conversation with uh, Mike and Charlie, our elders, and just time in prayer and um, about getting refocused. I mean, 2020 was just a crazy year. I think we all agree with that, and it kind of knocked us off balance for a while, and we're trying to maybe pick up the pieces still and get back to whatever normal is going to be. And part of that is to get refocused on our priorities and what we should be doing in our relationship with God. And so that is what this series is going to be about. We're going to be spending the month of January walking through first things first. This morning our focus is to seek first. We'll be in the Gospel of Matthew if you want to make your way there. We're going to be looking at one particular verse, but we're going to use a lot of Scripture to help us understand what God is telling us to do in seeking first. Because no matter our age, gender, nationality, we're all seeking things as we go through this life. Those things change as we get older. You know, when I was younger, I was seeking to become a baseball player, and then I didn't like the fact that, you know, the ball was being thrown at me, so I stopped playing baseball, and then it was football, and then it was becoming a, or a middle school English teacher, and, and then God showed me uh, this is where I was supposed to be, and so I seek after that. But throughout our life, we seek different things, maybe security or peace, joy, relationships. We seek after love. We seek after stuff and health, acceptance. Maybe we seek after power. But the reality is everyone here is seeking after something in our life. And, and so we want to know what God's Word tells us we should be seeking after because we only have so much time on this lot, in this life. We only have so many things we can fill our schedules with and so many things we can allow our minds to wander off to. When I think of seeking, I think of a quest. And the word quest is defined as a long, arduous, hard, difficult, laborious, grueling, demanding search for something. And quests can be dangerous. They can be adventurous at the same time. And all of us are on this quest and what we are seeking after. When I think of quests and seeking, I, I think of the movie The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey. I love Middle Earth movies. I love Star Wars movies. And, and that came to mind as I thought of Bilbo Baggins before he decided he would go on this quest. He comes to Gandalf and he asks him, will I make it back? Will I return? To which Gandalf responds, no, but if you do, you will not be the same. And in seeking after God, and seeking after what Scripture tells us we should quest after in our life, that promise holds true to us. When we seek after God and godly things, we are not going to be the same. And it's for this reason many people stop seeking after God. It's for this reason many people stop seeking after godly things. Because it's going to take every ounce of our being. It's going to take every nerve we have, every muscle that we have in our body. It's going to take every ounce of focus that we can muster up in our life to seek after what God wants us to seek after. But the promise of Scripture is this. When we do this, blessed is the man or woman, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. 
King Solomon came to a similar conclusion in the book of Ecclesiastes. He sought after all the things that this world could offer in life. And after he did this little science experiment with himself, he came to this conclusion in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The word fear there in the Old Testament means to revere. It means to trust God. Solomon's conclusion after he explored everything that this world had to offer was that it was all meaningless. All the worries that we can worry about in this, in this life and what we chase after and seek after, it's all meaningless. It's a chasing after a win. It is a false fulfillment. And so we should have our life as a life of seeking after God and fearing Him. Reason is found in his conclusion in Ecclesiastes. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So our question this morning is, are we seeking after God? Are we seeking after goods? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And though we're looking at one verse just to understand what is going on, Jesus is teaching his listeners and us that we should not worry. Isn't that a nice promise? Do not worry. And he tells them you should not worry because as, as he walks through all the things we can worry about in life, all the things we can seek after, whether it's food, clothes, water, shelter, necessities, he summarizes that if we just seek after God and we trust in God, just as Solomon came to that conclusion, that God will take care of all the things we can allow our mind to become consumed with, all the things we can allow our heart to become plagued with. And so Jesus says this in verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's telling us that all this stuff that we can worry about, Jesus says forget about it. He's saying all this stuff that you can be consumed by in life, release it to God. Make God and the things of God your supreme choice in life. Make God and the things of God the thing that you pursue after. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness. The first thing Jesus says is to seek the kingdom. So we need to understand what is the kingdom of God so we can know what we are to be seeking after. In the Old and New Testament, the kingdom of God refers to where God's rule and reign are. A.W. Tozer writes that a spiritual kingdom lies all about us enclosing us, embracing us, all together within each of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God Himself is here waiting our response to His presence. The eternal world will come alive to us the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. In the Old Testament, when you come across the phrase kingdom of God, it sometimes refers to the nation of Israel and how God wanted to be their king, and how He wanted them to seek after Him and His kingdom on earth, and to be representatives of that kingdom so all nations would know that He is God. Time and time again, God told the nation of Israel that He alone is God, and so therefore they are to worship Him alone, because when we worship something, we seek after it. We put our heart to it. We put our mind constantly on it, and we are continuously drawn to it. The problem in the Old Testament is many of us know that God's people did not always seek after Him nor honor His lordship over their life. They did not honor His authority and eventually led to their downfall and captivity. But God wanted them to trust Him. In the midst of trusting Him, 
to place He as their absolute authority over their lives and, as their, and over the nation. And when that didn't happen, they saw the captivity and destruction of them, which God said would happen. And the same thing would go on in our life when God is not our utmost pursuit. When we choose not to seek after the kingdom of God, we seek after death and destruction. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 10. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we turn to the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's two phrases that are very similar but actually mean different things. There's the kingdom of God, which we come across here in verse 33. And there's also the kingdom of heaven. They're related but different. The kingdom of heaven refers to the kingdom of heaven where God is God and Lord, and there's no debate about it because His presence is all-encompassing. It is in the kingdom of heaven where God's rule and Christ's authority are set. There is no debate about it. So here on this earth, we are to keep our minds on the kingdom of heaven because that's our home while we seek after the kingdom of God. It means individually we seek after and focus our life upon God's rule and authority in it, over it, so it may be lived out and be an example to others. The seeking of the kingdom of God is the inner rule of God in the heart of the individual and to seek after the things that honor and promote God in and through our life. So when we take this, the kingdom of God is the object or the subject of our search. The kingdom of God is the earthly representation of God's heavenly kingdom being represented in our life. And as we go through this life, we're going to be in a constant battle of seeking after God's kingdom or seeking after the kingdom of this world. But the seeking after the kingdom of God, according to Scripture, is what leads to our growth, our joy, our peace, and our rejoicing. It's where we meet our God and our Savior through the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't we seek after this thing? Why would we seek after other things this world can offer? Turning to Tozer, he says, Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present and there will be no no manifestation of Christ to His people. He waits to be wanted. Paul dealt with this in Romans chapter 7 when he understood the battle we all face, that we do the things we know we shouldn't do, and we don't do the things we know we should do. The Bible says that it is going to be evident on which kingdom we are serving and seeking, as others will look at our lives and see which kingdom we actually serve. The result of seeking after God is the number one priority in our life is to be found in everyday human concerns to be met according to the promise of Matthew 6.33. It says, all these things will be added to you. And Jesus just dealt with food and water and clothing and shelter and necessities. And He says, all these things that you worry about sustaining your life, when you seek after the right thing, God's going to take care of that. Just allow God to provide, allow God to protect, allow God to give you the blessings. I like how the New Living Translation says, it says, He will give you everything you need. Of course, Paul points out in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. 
So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. The seeking of God is not about rules. And I think we can make it about rules, where we make about things we should and shouldn't do. And we know there's things we should and shouldn't do. But just because we follow rules, or what we think is Christian, doesn't mean we're actually seeking after God. Prime example of that is the Pharisees. They followed the rules, the laws of God. They even added to the laws of God, but they weren't seeking after Him. They were seeking after their own recognition. The Bible tells us that Christ came to fulfill the law of God because we could not. It doesn't matter how many rules we add to this, we can't fulfill it. We can't do what we're supposed to do. But in accepting Christ... He has given us the full righteousness of His Son. He has clothed us in His holiness, and He has clothed us in His salvation. So when we seek after God, we're seeking after God's rule, reign, and authority over our life. Because Jesus did say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But if it's not about rules, and it's not about steps, and it's not about do this and don't do that, then why should we even do any of it? Because the Bible says by keeping the law of God and allowing God to have authority over our life, that is the evidence that we actually love God. It's not for anyone else, but it's for people to see that we are submitting to the God who loves us and we are trusting Him and fearing Him. We show others that He is worthy to be followed. He is worthy to be trusted. We show the world that this isn't just some book that the preacher preaches from on Sunday, but this instead, as God's people, is our survival guide to life. We can't get by without it any single, any day of our life. We must be in it and be encompassed by it. And Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That word abide means to remain, but it also means to be covered. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Isn't that what you want for 2021? Complete joy? Full of joy? It's only found when we abide in Christ and we keep His Word. See, seeking the kingdom of God is about responding to the love God has for us. And we respond to God's love by serving, obeying Christ so that we might bring Christ and God glory through our life. Seeking the kingdom of God is about living in our identity in Christ. The Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And we are free. Our debt is paid. Our sin is washed away. Our past is gone and has been fully dealt with when we come to faith in Christ. We may still wrestle with sin. We may still make bad decisions. But that does not mean we belong to sin because we now belong to Christ in full. We know everyone sins. Therefore, at some point in everyone's life, including my own, we enslave ourselves to sin. But our identity in Christ does not change. Our identity in Christ is sealed to eternity. It is of freedom. So when we seek the kingdom of God, what we are in fact seeking is the freedom that God gives us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 
Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Every day this year, every day last year, we are going to enter into the battle on which kingdom we are going to seek after and which kingdom we are going to serve. We are either going to seek the kingdom of God and serve it, or we're going to seek the kingdom of this world and serve that. So we are commanded to seek the kingdom of God by not allowing sin to reign in our bodies so that we live according to its beck and call. But instead, when we seek the kingdom of God, we live in the freedom and we freely present ourselves to God as those who have brought, been brought from death to life so we might be instruments of righteousness. It means seeking the kingdom of God is meant to be evident. It's not that we do it for others to see, but it will be an evident that others will see us serving something greater. Turning back to Paul's wording, he says that we would be approved by men. It's not that we would, we would do everything that everyone would else would choose or everyone else would like or even agree with, but the way we live our life and what we seek after, others are going to see a difference in us or should compared to those who are not of the kingdom of God. Paul wrote for us to pursue after it, which means to hunt it. I know a lot of you know that word. Hunt it. Seek hard after peace. Seek hard after mutual upbuilding. So to seek the kingdom of God is to continually seek Christ, who came as the Prince of Peace. And the word peace from Romans means not to engage in selfish conflict. To be mutually upbuilding is to study the state and need of others and offer assistance. Both are what Christ came to do. So when I seek the kingdom of God, I'm seeking Christ so I might walk like Christ. I might imitate Christ. I might have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. And so it comes the question, does that describe me? Does that describe our life? Is that what people see when they see us out in the world, what we're seeking after? 2020, I admit, man, there's a lot of distractions. <laughs> but this is a new day. It's a new year. It's a new gift. Where we can refocus and make it a year and a day and a week of seeking after God. There's another thing it says, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and seek first His righteousness. So when you understand what righteousness is, if that's what God wants us to seek after, what is it? In the Greek, righteousness means the condition acceptable to God and a life of virtue, integrity, purity, correctness of thinking, correctness of living, and correctness of acting. So when we take this verse, the kingdom of God is the object or subject that we're seeking, and righteousness then is the result or character of that seeking. When I seek after God's kingdom, His rule and reign in my life, then righteousness is what is going to be produced. And it's not only an outward manifestation of righteousness, but it's an internal transformation due to the personal surrender to the will of God in our life, mind, heart, and soul. Jesus puts these two together because they're linked. Righteousness is the conformity to the will of God and to His teaching. 
To understand righteousness, first we have to understand it is God who makes us righteous. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our faith in accepting God's gift for us, the Bible says that we are now gifted with the complete righteousness of Christ. We are made righteous by God through Christ and clothed in the full righteousness of Christ. That means righteousness is also a gift. And it's freely given by God when He sacrificed His Son and then He rose from the dead. And if we're here today and have confessed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, have asked God for forgiveness and found it through Jesus, the Bible says we have been gifted with righteousness. But if you're here today and you have not, then you are not righteous. You're not holy before God. You are still in your sin. Paul writes that righteousness should be pursued. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The Bible tells us concerning righteousness, we will be rewarded according to our righteousness, which is why we need to know how we should seek after it. The seeking of righteousness is done by faith. The Bible says that Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith in God's word. And the gospel is revealed to us so we might grow in our righteousness and grow in our faith. Or as Paul was later write, from faith to faith. Our righteousness begins by understanding and accepting that faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who lived a perfect life to die for our sins and in our place. And by His resurrection, we might find forgiveness before a holy God and be declared righteous by that faith. Since righteousness is given and accepted by faith, to pursue righteousness is to have to have a faith that something there is worth pursuing after, which is a righteous way of living over a sinful way of living. To live by faith for righteousness means we have to want it. God's not going to force you this year to live for Him. He's not going to force me this year to seek after Him, to pursue righteousness. But He gives us the gift of His Word that we might study it and read it so we might grow in our righteousness. The Bible tells us that righteousness will protect us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28, In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6 says, Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless. Righteousness does this because when we conform to live right before a holy living God, we in turn flee from the sinful nature inside of us and run to God. We do what James commands us in James chapter 4, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible next tells about righteousness, that we will be rewarded according to our righteousness and our pursuit of it in life. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. We're rewarded because we pursue after righteousness, and therefore we live righteously, which shows that we trust in God's Word and His will. We live by faith that God loves us, and what He says in His Word, even if we don't fully understand it, is good for us. It's to make our salvation our own. It's to claim it and to use God's Word as our guide and rule. 
The Bible tells us about righteousness that our righteousness will be evident, meaning it will be seen. People will look at us and will be able to tell, even if they aren't a believer, whether or not we're living for God or against God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The verse says that not only will believers, but people of the world will be able to see the evidence of whether we are children of God or children of the devil by our pursuit and practice of righteousness. The word practice in Greek means to be the author of it. We are to be the author of righteousness in our life. It means our life should be telling the story of what a righteous life should be. Our life should be producing, constructing, and forming righteousness because this is the evidence to the world and to others that we are in fact children of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 37, 6, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, in our house, typically I'm the first one up because I'm the early person. I'm the morning person. But at times, Abby will beat me. And when Abby wakes up, it's typically because the sun comes up. And so we love it that the sun, you know, goes down early and, re- and comes up later at this time of the year. Summers are horrible. Summers, you know, horrible. As soon as the sun's up, we say, you know, you just stay in bed until, the light, until it's light out. But we know Abby's awake because we typically close her door before we go to bed. And so we'll hear the opening and the closing of doors. Parents, do you have any of that going on? And and every now and then I'll look and I can see her peeking out. And sometimes I'll see her dart to the bathroom real quick and then go back. The problem is when Abby wakes up, our smallest dog, Charlie, wakes up. And when Charlie wakes up, Charlie's got to go potty. And there's no debate about that. You did her out or you're going to be sorry. And so if Abby wakes up, Then Charlie wakes up. Guess who else wakes up? Daddy wakes up. It becomes a domino effect in our morning about who is waking up. This is what righteousness is. Righteous is a domino effect in our life. When we seek after righteousness, when we make that our first pursuit, along with the kingdom of God, the Bible says when we seek after it, we will find protection we will find blessing and we will produce the evidence of, or fruit that we in fact belong to God. Our life is to be a declaration of the Son, Jesus Christ. It is a declaration of Jesus Christ because He has made us righteous and now we are pursuing after He who is righteous. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 37 to trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. That's how we began 2020 with that verse. But this is righteous living and seeking after righteousness. To trust in the Lord is to trust no matter what he says in this, no matter how hard it is to understand or even to apply, it is good. And it is for our good. It's to trust completely in what he says. When we dwell in the Lord, we are making a choice to choose him and his kingdom and his presence over our own 
sinful nature. We are commanded to delight in the Lord. When was the last time you delighted in who God is and your relationship with Him? The word delight means to have an exquisite delight and an exquisite commitment to Him. To commit and then we're in the Hebrew from the Psalms there. It's an interesting word because it means to roll yourself up. When I commit myself to God, I am rolling myself up. And if you're not a morning person, you know exactly what this word means. Because when that alarm goes off in the morning, what do you do with your blanket? Roll yourself up. You get in tighter. You are committing to this moment of staying in bed and staying warm and trying to get more sleep. This is what it is to commit to God, is to be encompassed in Him. It's to be surrounded by His presence, to be overwhelmed by His ways, to be embedded in His will and to snuggle in tightly. Because this is good and it is good to be in the Lord's presence. We are to commit our journey, our life, and our quest to the Lord. This is the pursuit of righteousness. Why would we do this? Because of this promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It means they're just desperate for it. For they shall be satisfied. They shall be full. So not only do we get full, abundant joy, but full, abundant satisfaction. Nothing this world can give us. But when we seek after His kingdom and His righteousness, that's exactly what we find. That's why it says, seek first. We will be satisfied completely in our desires. This doesn't mean that if I pursue after righteousness that God's going to make my bank account explode. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to get sick, but it means that when I seek after His kingdom and I seek after His righteousness, what God does is He changes my sinful desires to become righteous and kingdom desires. And so I'm about Him. What desires do you have in this life? What desires... Or resolutions or that have you made for this next year that you want to see accomplished? Is it to know God more? Is it to be found in Him alone? Is it to be surrounded by His righteousness and be found in that? It's important because the Bible says one more thing about righteousness. We will be judged by our righteousness. John chapter 16, verse 8 says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And our righteousness is found in our confession in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's where it begins, but it cannot end there. It has to continue by practicing and pursuing righteousness in our life. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everything starts here. What are you seeking after this year? What are you seeking after today? What do you want others to see that you're pursuing after, you're questing after? It's going to be hard. It's going to be an adventure. But you won't be the same if you do it. 
In the very last book of the Bible in Revelation, God comes to a church known as Laodicea with this warning. He says, I know your works are neither cold nor hot, or that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Does that describe our love for God? Does that describe our seeking of His kingdom and His righteousness? We're just lukewarm. We make God sick. It's a new day. It's a new year. It's a new week. This is the first day of the week. And by the grace and mercy of God, we've brought to this place where we can repent and get forgiveness and refocus to make first things first. Maybe you're here and what you need to do is accept God's gift for you so you can begin in righteousness and begin after pursuit after God. This is the good news. This is the gospel. That God has created every individual in this place for a relationship with Him. But as we mentioned, we all have a sinful nature and our sin separates us from the love of God and this relationship with God and the promise of eternal life with God. And so we try to do good things, but that's not going to work. That's not going to clothe us in the righteousness we need, which is why Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, a righteous life. He died in our place and rose again that we might be forgiveness if we place our faith in Him alone. And the Bible says when we do that, we are promised the kingdom of heaven and we are given the complete righteousness of Christ so we can seek after it. Have you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? If not, I'm going to ask you to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. I want the promise of eternal life. We'll talk a little bit. We'll pray together. We'll celebrate. But maybe you're here and you just know you've been out of tune. I'll admit, 2020 has knocked me off step at times. By God's grace, we're here. We can get refocused. Make first things first. Let's pray together and ask Nick and Bridget to come up and lead us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for calling out to our heart, to my heart, to seek you and to seek things that are about you. Father, I pray that this year you... Well, I thank you. This year you know exactly what's going to happen. You knew exactly what was going to happen last year. You know what's going to take us and make us off balance. You know what's going to shake us. You know what's going to lift us up. Lord, in the midst of all that's going to happen in, in this day, in this week, in this year, Lord, let us remember that we are just to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. All the things we can worry about will be taken care of. So tune our hearts to you. I want to thank you for this time, this place. If anyone's here this morning and needs to accept you as your Lord and Savior, Father, I ask you just to continue to speak to them, to their heart, through your Spirit. Let us now become a doer of your word and not just a hearer. We pray this all in the name of Jesus.